Well, this evening, if you'll notice on your seat, you have communion. My communion has lost its bread. <laughs> I think that's right. Oh, no, that's not here. Thank you. I now have bread again. Glory to God. Manna. Amen. I thought it was funny. Thank you, Father. And I was going to go through, watch that on the ground there. I was going to go through, and uh, I was going to just uh, go through the communion, and I kept feeling the Lord uh, take me to Exodus concerning the Passover. And as I was reading on that, I just sensed the Lord wanted us to talk about that. So I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 12. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Father. Is this yours? Thank you, Lord. Exodus chapter 12. Welcome again to the Holy Spirit service. Hallelujah. Is anybody ready to receive? You are? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Was that a cough? <laughs> a cough laugh? <laughs> Glory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Look at your communion. And you see the two elements in there. You've got the bread. And I don't want you to open it yet, but you've got the bread. And you have the representation of the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the lamb, the bread and the wine. That comes at a cost. What you see in front of you comes at a cost. Even the freedom that we have to sit here in this place, it comes at a cost. Jesus paid his life so that we would be free indeed. And literally, our ability to sit here is a price that he paid. Should we be sitting here, uh, should we be sitting here tonight and just lightly esteeming it? No, we should be thrilled that we have the freedom to worship unhindered, right? That we have the freedom to worship unhindered. That came at a cost. See, I, I think that we've gotten to the place where we just feel like we deserve all of our freedom. But without Christ, we didn't deserve any of it. Without Him, we didn't deserve any of it. What did we deserve without Jesus? Hell. Yeah, that's, that's where we were headed. And, and without, I mean, with Jesus, praise God, we, we have blessing and, and God has given us life and families and gifts in our lives and Glory to God. I mean, it's amazing. And, and the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, which means that even if somebody's sitting next to me and they're not blessed, they'll be blessed simply because the body of Christ is in the earth. They are the preserving. See, this is what a lot of people don't know. They, they don't know the scripture. They don't know the power of the love of God. And they think that they just deserve everything that they have. They think that what we have in America is everywhere. 
I know Roderick already knows. I know I've seen it. You don't have this everywhere. Most places you would go, even if you could worship freely, you don't have nice padded seats. You don't have AC and lights and cameras and action. You don't have all that. All you have is hot, sweat a lot of times, or cold, and a lot of times you can't even meet together. This is a blessing. And without Christ, it's not something we deserve. What we deserve, we don't want. So what you're holding in your hand there represents the fullness of the blessing and the freedom. But see, what happens is we've been operating in, you know, we've been living in this country, in America, for so long, and and this stuff just seems like it just happens. It just happens. What what do you think it would look like if the, the power went off for a month? How would life change? Like as bad as 2020 has been with Corona and everything else, how much worse would it be? Forget about, knock Corona out. Knock off the power for a month. What would we have? As bad as it's been with COVID, yet people still, they're not hungry for God. Knock off the power for a month, see what happens. Do you think the power just happens? There's a lot of stuff that goes into you having these lights and heat and AC. There's, I mean, you've got uh, electro-powered dams. You've got, you've got uh, stations, nuclear stations that produce power. You've got wind farms. You've got all. That's just the beginning of the power. That's just the beginning of the power. Then you got to get that power down the lines. Then you got to get it into substations. And then from those substations, you've got to get it into the homes. And it's got to transform. It's got to go lower. All of a sudden, you know, and then you got to have an electrician come in and put up lights and switches and everything else. There's a lot of stuff that happens before it gets to be our comfort. And our kids grow up just thinking it's normal. Why is the power off? Well, for whatever reason, but they just think it's supposed to be there. And in America, we've gotten to the place where we just think it's supposed to be there. We deserve it like it's a right. Like the blessing of God on a country is a right. The blessing is an inheritance, but there was a price paid and you hold a sample of that, a symbol of it in your hand. The blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus. You hold in your hand something that had to be paid. And all of these blessings that we're walking in and the financial prosperity that's in this country, they didn't just happen. It happened because the founders said, Lord, we worship you. And we want to have a country that's designed to worship you. We want a country that's designed to worship you. And so they created a country where people could worship God. One nation, under God, indivisible, 
with liberty and justice for all. It didn't just happen. It did not just happen. These things don't just happen. There's a buildup. There's a prices that are paid. There's things. And so many times, we're, you know, here's the thing. If we actually appreciated what God has done as a country, the churches would be full worshiping him on Sunday morning. Lord, why am I here? Because you're going to heal me? No. No, I'm here simply because you are so good and I have to worship you. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my home. Thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you, Father, for food. Thank you, Lord. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. Thank you for children. Thank you for grandchildren. Thank you for clothes. Thank you for a vehicle. Thank you, Lord, for seats to sit on. Thank you for AC. Thank you, Lord, that I'm in a country that they don't tell me what I have to do. Thank you, Lord. We're not in a socialist, communist country. Thank you, Lord. We're free. Thank you, Lord. These are blessings. And it all started with the love of God that you have as a symbol in your hand. The body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It wasn't cheap. It was very costly. And there's things, you know, uh, Jesus, we've been talking a lot today about seed. Jesus planted himself as a seed. Well, doesn't he deserve a harvest? He deserves a harvest. What does the harvest look like to Jesus? I'm looking at you. You're the harvest. He was the firstborn of many brothers. You're the harvest. In other words, he gave his life for you and me. He deserves that I would give mine, like what Roderick's talking about, that I would give myself to the world just like he did. For him, for his glory. What does that mean? Does that mean that I just come to the altar and and, and I just come to the altar and I give my life and I go to heaven one day? Is that all that there is to it? No. I come to the altar. I make him my Lord. I enter into the family. And then the rest of my life, I'm his. Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be. I would be in hell for eternity, in eternal damnation, eternal torture, If it wasn't for you, but instead, eternally, I get to be a child of God. I get to be with you, Father, through what Jesus paid. I have the Holy Ghost that will empower me and give me the fire of God and let me be who he's called me to be. I get to walk with you, talk with you, eat of your blessings, and carry the blessings to other people because... You paid a price. You paid a price. So should we be sitting back? Apathetic. Not caring. Hard to motivate. Hard to move. 
hard to get us to commit to anything. All of our life is about us and our retirement and homes and vacation homes and cars and pools and no. Lord, I'm yours. That's what it's supposed to be. Now, in the middle of that, you have to understand that God doesn't care about you having stuff. Actually, he wants you to have stuff. He wants you to have stuff. But the question is, that are we receiving his stuff or does, he, or does stuff have us? Am I, am I, have I sold myself into bondage for stuff? Hear that again. Have I sold myself into bondage for stuff? Have I sold myself, my thoughts, my actions, my free time? Have I sold myself into bondage for comfort? Or am I going to allow Jesus to harvest me? He was the seed and I'm the harvest. Lord, I'm yours. I wouldn't even have life without you. Don't you know, on, on, on the battlefield, there'll be men that give their lives for other people, other men, they'll, and, and, or they'll save their life. And all of a sudden, you know, the person whose life is saved, that person says, look, I wouldn't be here without you. If you ever need anything, I'm there. Why? Why can they say that easily? I mean, that could be a big commitment. But why can they say that easily? Because they would not be alive at all had it not been for that person. How much more should we do that for the one who saved us for eternity? How much more should we move in that way for, for the one who saved us in eternity? How should it be hard to motivate us? Not at all. If we said to pray, should it be easy to pray? If we have in a service to worship the one who saved us, should it be easy for us to do that? We should be just, I mean, just so ready to do that. So filled with worship for the one who saved us. And yet we've come to believe that we deserve it. And we backed off of that stuff. We backed off of it. Why? Because we think it just happens. Or at the least, we've allowed our minds to think, this stuff just happens like the lights. It just happens. It doesn't just happen. There's cause and effect, seed time and harvest. And we are called to be the harvest that continues to sow. Uh, the harvest of the price that Jesus paid is a man who supernaturally his life was saved and came to know Jesus. And now, as a follower of Jesus, he's saying, I'm going to go and I give my life to this nation. In other words, Jesus, I will be your harvest, but I also, uh, in the same breath, I make myself the seed into the world. This is the call of every believer. And it started right here. Every bit of love that you see, every bit of freedom was through the body and the blood and the love, the passion of Jesus Christ. Every ounce of every gift generated in his love, the symbol of which you're holding in your hand so lightly, and yet we should see it for what it is. 
the full price that God's called us to. We should be the easiest people in the world to motivate to advance the kingdom of God. We should be the easy, every Christian should be the easiest people in the world to get in motion when God says, hey, I need something. That's not been the case in American church, in the American church. That's not been the case in, in the American Christians. That's not been the case at all. Actually, we've gotten worse as time's going on because we've forgotten the price. We've forgotten the price. We need to allow God to challenge us again. We need to allow Him to stir up the pot. And then I'm talking to guys who are here after a Holy Ghost weekend. Most of you were here on Friday night praying from 6 p.m. to midnight. Most of you were at uh, Soul Winning Saturday. And here you are. You were here this morning. You're here again Sunday morning. But in the big scheme of things, as six hours on Friday night, it was uh, three hours on Holy Ghost, on Soul Winning Saturday. It was three hours this morning. That's three, three, uh, 12 hours and then maybe three hours tonight. That's 15 hours out of our week. 15 hours. 15 hours. That's not even a whole day. It's one waking day over this weekend that we chose. And our bodies will rebel against that. But yet, what about our spirit man? What's happening to our spirit man? Our spirit man, our spirit man saying, yeah, let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship. It's our flesh that, that will get in the way. And you see, I'm, I'm telling you this. You're the ones who are here. And yet I know that you're still being convicted just like I'm being convicted as I speak it. And yet you're the ones that are here. Where's, where's the rest of the American church? And I know there's people all over America that are doing different things. But all the people that say that they're going to heaven, that say that they've been saved from hell, that say that they are the Lord's and Jesus is my Lord, He's the director of my life, where are they? One thing I've found is that many people have accepted Jesus, but very, very, very few have really made Him at the bottom of their heart, Lord of their life. And if they have, even fewer had given themselves to catch fire and be changed for eternity, so much so that they carry fire with them everywhere they go. Baptized in the Holy Ghost, baptized in fire. Lord, I can't do this without you. I've got to have you. See, the issue is there's a lot of people that say that they're going to heaven, but there's very few that are carrying a fire with them to change others. Yeah. Everybody wants things just to happen and it to be easy, but there's very few that will go out and do the work. There's very few that will carry that forgiveness, that peace, that patience, 
gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. There's very few that will carry the love of God with them everywhere that they go. They'll amen it, they'll hallelujah on Sunday morning, they'll receive a healing, they'll receive a miracle, they'll go to heaven. But who's there that's going to carry the fire? Is that just for the preachers, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? No, it's for every believer. Every person that is supposed to be the harvest of the seed of Jesus Christ. Every person. We need to be the harvest. And there's something that happens when we get that on the inside of us and we say, Jesus, I'll be your harvest and I'll give myself as a seed to the world. There's something that happens in that moment where all of a sudden you say, Lord, I'm open to whatever you have for me. There's something there that happens and the Holy Ghost comes and he overflows you. And the fire of God will envelop you and baptize you like that. And all of a sudden... You know, when fire hits something, it changes its makeup. The material makeup changes forever. It changes forever. I want to be that kind of person. I want to be the kind of person where when I come up to people, they're forever changed. Because the fire of God, not just my fire, but the fire of God, it comes up. And when you get next to a fire, you are going to catch I want to be the kind of person that takes it with me and that fire jumps on you and it jumps on you and it jumps on you and it jumps on you and and everybody I come around. Why? Because Jesus deserves to reap a harvest. He was that fire and he carried it throughout the earth. And it's time for me to stop making excuses for my flesh and stop making excuses for all of my comfort and for us to be who we've called to be, who we are called to be. Ministers, flames of fire, a testimony of Jesus Christ everywhere that we go. Why? Because something's already been given. And for most of us, We've received it, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. He sowed himself as a seed, and he deserves a harvest. But as long as we allow our flesh and our comfort and all the plans that the world has taught us to come in the way when God asks us to do something, He won't reap the harvest that he deserves. He might reap a quarter, he might reap a half, but it won't be full because we've said no. I mean, how many people legitimately want to get to heaven and Jesus says, I want to do so much through you, but you told me no. And we would say, but Lord, when did I say no? He said, when you didn't give yourself to me when I was asking. I told you to study to be, show yourself approved. I told you, lay hands on the sick and, and they'll recover. But Jesus, I, I tried doing that one time and it worked. He's, he's like, oh, you think that it just didn't work because my word was not true? Or maybe was there something in you that you didn't know, but you didn't go to church to to grow up. You didn't give yourself and think, well, it could, the mess up could be something in me. Humble yourself. 
and I'll give you grace and greater grace. And so because we didn't humble ourselves to him and to his ways, we we didn't become who he's called to be. And, And this is what I want you to see, is that you're here. You're hearing this message. The Holy Ghost is writing things on your heart even now as we speak. But who of us has been truly, truly, we can stand in front of God and say, I'm walking in the level of your anointing and fire like I can. Not myself either. What's standing in the way? Most of the time ourselves. And when ourselves stand in the way, what are we saying about that sacrifice? Ultimately, what we're saying is, it's not enough to move me. It's not enough to motivate me to walk in holiness. It's not enough to motivate me to give of myself. It's That wasn't enough to make me give my life. And then you got to go back and question, what do you believe? What do you really believe? That's not enough to motivate me to fast. That's not enough to motivate me to pray when you ask me to pray. That's not enough to motivate me to get into the Word. See, we've got to go back and say, what do we really believe? Like, is he our Lord or is he just a meal ticket? Is he just the ticket punched to heaven? But see, I know that even as I speak these words, there's something on the inside of you that's saying, I was made for more than what I've been. There's something inside me saying, I'm designed in his image and likeness. That this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That this body is literally the new temple that God can reside in. I'm not designed to do these small, little, earthly things alone. No, there's a supernatural inside of me made in the image and likeness of God. I'm a container designed to carry His glory, to carry His fire. And what He has done in that symbol, it may look small to some people, but it released an unlimited power of God as an inheritance on the inside of me. I'm his child. I can walk in his fullness. I can lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover. I can can have something. I can be somewhere and drink a deadly thing. It won't hurt me. A snake could bite me. It won't harm me. I can cast out devils. I can speak with new tongues. I'm quoting Mark 16. I'm giving you that piece. Everyone who believes that walks in a normal of heaven, walks in a normal of God, but it starts with going back to the original gift and saying, what was in that? What was in it? Oh, just the supernatural power of God to light you up for eternity on fire so that Jesus could say this, you'll do these works and greater. Because you're made in his image and in his likeness. Designed to carry the glory. Designed to carry the goodness of God. Designed that in those hands is healing. 
that will be distributed to the people that God, God loves. In those footsteps will carry the gospel of peace. Everywhere those feet tread, everywhere your feet tread, it'll carry the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Everywhere in it is all answers, all solutions. In that gift of the body and the blood is every answer that we could ever desire. It's your business doing well. It's favor in the world. It's wisdom. It's, it's the anointing of God that breaks every yoke. In it is everything. But it doesn't just happen without a people that will receive it and walk in it. A people that say, that desire, Lord, use me. He may, may tell Miss Susie, I want to use you in your business, in accounting, and in finances. He may say to Serena, I want to use you even through your fingers as they come across those keys. I want to use you in, in business and electrical. I want to use you as a missionary. I want to use you as a leader of the youth at this moment. I want to use you, whatever it is. The question is, are we there? Are we available? And are we yielded? Lord, do with me whatever you want. I'm watching right now and, and feel and just watching how you know, when he first got here, he was like, I don't even know what to think about this. And yet now you can see the Lord moving through him. And I see what God's doing. He's preparing him to be used like he's never been used before. That the anointing that he wasn't even feeling those first few weeks, all of a sudden, he's not just going to feel it. It's going to flow through him yeah. when he prays for people. Yeah. It's going, it's, something has changed. Something's, something's changed on the inside. Of he's letting the fire of God touch him. He's letting the Word of God be like a fire that burns out the world, that crushes the rock that would hold him back. And something's boiling on the inside. And there's a boiling, fervent prayer. And when he prays, it's going to be released. Hallelujah. It's coming now. It's coming now. Come here, Phil. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Ha ha, so for And what I just said was more than just a message. That was prophetic. And you receive it as just yield to that anointing. Yield to it in your life. Yield to it. Thank you, Father. Ha, hold your hands out in front of you like that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your anointing. Fill him and overflow him in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let that anointing flow and overflow in Jesus' name from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Thank you, Father, for fresh fire and anointing in the name of Jesus. Lord, let it be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for hunger. And thirst and a yielding. Oh, freaking a hollow soul. Hamaru Kororopa. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. You know, it's such a blessing to me. When he got here, you know, there might be some people here that don't know. When he got here, how long ago was it now? Nine months? Some, I don't know, somewhere around there. He went for like the first two, or two months or so. I'd pray for him. He was like, I said, what'd you feel, Phil? <laughs> He'd say, I didn't feel nothing. He might have been more, used better English. Next week, what'd you feel, Phil? I didn't feel anything, Pastor. And yet now, the Holy Ghost is flowing through him. He's sensing it. I asked him this morning, I said, did you feel that? He said, oh, I felt that. The anointing's become tangible. Whew, watching him yield to the Holy Ghost. Oh, man, what a blessing. See, a lot of people, they'll, they'll think, oh, he just did that. No, this man doesn't just do that. <laughs> this man does not just do that. That's him yielding to the Holy Ghost and what the Holy Spirit's doing. Yeah. He doesn't just do that. And, and, and I appreciate that. Sure. I appreciate yielding. In Exodus chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 12, verse 3. He says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying on the tenth of this month they are to take each one a lamb for themselves according to their father's household. A lamb for each household. Let me tell you, for every person in here, there's a lamb for you. His name is Jesus. There's a lamb for you. A sacrifice of God. A lamb for you. For your household. There's, there's a person that sacrificed themselves for you. Verse 6. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Now what time of day was Jesus crucified? At twilight. This is prophecy about the Son of God that would be killed for the whole world. And we look at it and we see the blood and we see the sacrifices, but don't just look at it like that. Look at it through the eyes of Luke chapter 2. And behold, there were a multitude of angels when Jesus came into the earth. There was a multitude of angels. And they all began saying, uh, holy, holy, holy. And then they, they said, peace on earth, good will towards men with whom he's pleased. God said, through this man, Jesus, that will be sacrificed through, uh, you know, a crucifixion, blood, death, through this man, God will get goodwill on earth, peace and goodwill to all men with whom he's pleased. He can only be pleased because of Jesus and his sacrifice. Verse 7, moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. The unleavened means that there's no sin. There's no sin. Jesus was the bread of life. 
that had no sin whatsoever in, in him. There was none. He was holy. Verse 11, Now you shall eat it in this manner. Hear this. You shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Here's what that means. When you take communion, because all of this, this is the first Passover. And then the, the meal of Passover was established out of this. And then that moved into the New Testament once Jesus became the Passover lamb. We take communion remembering the same thing that is done. So when he says this, have your loins gird, that means, you know, used to they had robes and it'd be around their feet. And if they tried to run with that robe on, it'd be very difficult to move and move fast. They say, get that robe up, get it around you so that you may run, so that you may run. Be ready. In other words, when you take this communion, be ready to be used. Be ready to go. Be ready to go. When you take this communion, be ready to go. Be ready. Be ready to be used by God. Tonight, on the way home, when you stop at the gas station, be ready to be used by God. Tomorrow morning at your job, be ready to see, hey, God wants me to do this. God's leading me to talk to this person. I'm supposed to lead this person to the Lord. Be ready. Sandals on your feet. Verse 12, for I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. When we take this communion, we should understand that it's more than just a little wafer and a little bit of juice. It's representative that God is going to strike down every little g-god that has tried to set itself against your life. When you take communion, He's going to break that junk that's held you back for all this time. He's going to execute judgment. He's going to wipe it out in your life if you have ears to hear it. If you have faith to receive it, shout Amen. amen. The blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When we take this communion, we know, hey, there may be a plague. There may be a corona. There may be a COVID. But in Jesus' name, by faith, when I take this, it shall not come to my house in Jesus' name. I'm the protected of the Lord. I receive it by faith. It ain't coming near me. No sickness, no disease, no allergy, no cold, no flu, no nothing. Because I got the blood painted on me. I've got holiness operating in me. I'm not sinning. Jesus is my Lord. I only do what he says to do. And, and that's it. That means I'm not doing sinful things. I'm doing holy things. That bread is unleavened. The blood is on the door. Sin, curse, it can't come in. It has to pass over. You should read the rest of this chapter on your own. 
Go to verse 21. Go to verse 20. You shall not eat anything leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. In other words, you shall not draw sin into your life. You shall not eat any sinful thing. In other words, don't take any sinful action. Cast away every sinful thought. You know, the devil will throw bad thoughts at you, but what you do with them is what's important. Everybody in here has had bad thoughts at some part, at some point in their life that they didn't put there. The devil threw it in there through your corrupted flesh. But the question is, what did we do with those thoughts? A bad thought comes, cast it out. No, I'm not thinking on that. I walk in the holiness of God. I love righteousness. I hate sin. And I walk in holiness. And I'm anointed. That should be your confession. Verse 21, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. Now I want you to see this. It's our job to take up the Passover lamb that Jesus is in our lives. It's not Jesus' job to come and force feed it into us. Thank you for trusting me. I'm glad you didn't flinch. It's not Jesus' job to come, take your head back, open your mouth, and stuff it down your throat. It's our job to see what He has laid out and offered to us. And it's our job to, in faith, take some action, get up out of our seat when the time is necessary, take whatever action is necessary, and see the Lamb and take it and receive it for yourself. By faith, take that for your family. Many people, they're waiting on God to do it for them. He's already done it all. It's finished. When are we going to, by faith, grab a hold of it and make it ours? Verse 22, I like this. And this, we're going to do our communion a little bit different today. That's why I didn't want you to open it yet. But look at this. You shall take, you remember at the, the Last Supper, it said, whoever will dip his bread with me. What were they doing? They were taking the bread of life, and they were dipping it into the cup. And then they were eating, right? Well, look at this verse. He said, you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it into the blood, which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts. And none of you shall go outside the door of the house until the morning. We're going to take that wafer in a minute that represents the body, the bread of life. I'm going to dip it in that. And we're going to apply the blood to ourselves as we take that tonight, as we have the body and the blood. We're going to apply that to the doorpost of our life, to the doorpost of our family, to the doorpost of this body. We're going to dip it, and we're going to receive that mingling of the life-given bread of life and the life-given blood of the Lamb. And things are changing. No evil comes, no sickness comes, no disease comes. No, just the blessing. The blessing is poured out. For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door 
and will not allow the destroyer to come into your house and smite you. The Lord, will, who will do it? Who will stop the destroyer? He says, I'll do it. I'll stop that destroyer from coming into your house if you'll apply the blood and you'll eat the unleavened bread, not be sinning, but partake of what God says to do. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you as He's promised, you shall observe this right. In other words, this is not something, what we're talking about tonight, this is not something to forget. God's got a plan, and it's a blessed plan. Watch this, 26. And when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? What is this observance? What does communion mean to you? You shall say, it's a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, and watch this, but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. Then he called, verse 31, Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go and worship the Lord, as you have said. Now, if you know the rest of the story, as they took the Passover lamb, God filled up their pockets with all they could carry. Gold, silver, jewels. The Bible tells us they spoiled the Egyptians. They were wealthy. I mean, they, they spoiled the Egyptians. Why? Because God did it for them. The Egyptians had handled them wrongly. They had made them slaves. They had handled them wrong. God did this. God did this. Let me just say this. Reparations, that's at the hand of God. You see, that's God's work. When God repays somebody, it's God's work. And God did it. He said, Egyptians, you've done wrong. And you've been, you've, you've been of a hardened heart. You haven't been faithful. And he says, look, I'm going to repay them. And he calls the Egyptians' hearts to give them everything. Everything. They walked out. Here, not only did they walk out with their pockets full, the Bible tells us that there was not one feeble among them. That means not one of them was sick. They had the young and the old, and from the babies to the eldest of the, of the elders, they were all healthy and wise, and not one, of them, uh, not one of them was sick, and it says their sandals didn't wear out. When they took the Passover lamb, they received inside of them a blessing more than anything in the world could ever give them. It wasn't, see, what you might could give me pales to what God could give me. What I could give you pales. You don't want stuff from me. Listen, you don't want stuff from the government. But what God can give you, it pales in comparison what the government would give you compared to what God can give you. What God can, can give you will overwhelm you. And see, that's God's answer. He doesn't move through the governments like that. What he does is he says, instead of giving you all of this through the government, he says, I'll make you my child. I'll make you my daughter. I'll make you my son. And now you're an inheritor of all that I have. 
You know, the one who made billions of galaxies with billions of stars surrounded by billions times billions of planets. Everything I have is yours. That's what the prodigal uh, son was told by the father. Everything I have is yours. When you get over to Zanzibar, everything he has is yours. Stuff just start falling into place. And people wonder why. And, and you'll say, I just recognize whose daddy I had. <laughs> Who was my dad? Who was my spiritual father? I knew, I knew that I could be anywhere in the world and it would work. He doesn't stop being my dad just because I went to Tanzania. Just because we're in the middle of a wilderness. No, God will put a well in the wilderness. He'll give you, he'll give you a hundredfold return in a famine, just like he gave to Isaac. Because you're blessed. Because you're blessed. Because you took the blood and the body. Something supernatural happens. God wants to bless you. Man, I'm just seeing it. You're going to be over there. You're gonna, you, and I, I think you'll think back to this message. And all of a sudden, you'll just raise your hands in faith. Glory to God. Come here. Yeah, just raise your hands. I just see you over there. You'll be in the middle of a situation. And you might even have people around you. You might not even be the senior man. But you'll remember this message. And you'll remember, I have partaken of the body and the blood. And I remember when it clicked. And I remember the word I got. And you may be in the middle of somewhere. And it looks like all hope is lost. And you'll just raise your hands. And you'll raise them to your God. To your loving Father. And you'll remind Him, You are my Father. And at that moment, the supernatural will become natural. And you'll walk in a supernatural, heavenly provision in the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. So confrontano. Yeah, glory to God. And he'll fill your hands. And he'll fill you with favor. And he'll fill you. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. They took the Passover. The body and the blood. The Lamb of God. And the blood of the Lamb. They applied it by faith in their life. And the blessing of God came down. How many people want the blessing of God tonight? Oh, glory to God. You want the blessing of God? I want it in your life. I want it in your life. I just want to call everybody. Just bring, bring your, bring your uh, communion. Let's come up to the altar right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just everyone, everyone, come up to the altar. Let, let these guys right here, let them come right up in front of me. I want to talk to them. Hallelujah. Yeah, come on up here. Yeah, amen. What's your name? Joanne. Joanne. Nice to meet you. I'm Brian. So nice to meet you. Amen. You are welcome. You are welcome. What's your Sydney? So nice to meet you. What's your name? James. So nice to have y'all. You see this as we take the body and the blood tonight. 
I want you, I want you to see this. You weren't supposed to take it without being part of the family. You had to have the body and the blood. You had to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. You had to, you had to make, make yourself a part of the family simply by saying, Jesus, you're my Lord. And I want us all tonight, I know most of you know the Lord, but it's a time to fulfill that, to make that fellowship with God brand new right now. Would you have it? Would you have it? Brand new right now. Lord, we receive it and we have it. So before we take this as a symbol of that, let's all of us pray. Every single one of us, let's renew it right now. And I just want you to think about what we did deserve, but yet what God saved us from. Oh, glory to God. Oh, we deserved a mess. And he saved us from a mess. When we were all messed up, not when we had it right, when we were all messed up, we were doing it all wrong. Jesus came to the earth. He came to the earth and he died for us. Gave his life for ours. That through him we might live and have fullness of life. Now let's pray this prayer together and say it with your mouth. Confess it with your lips. Just say it right now. Just say, Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord. Lord. You're the director of my life. life. Everything you tell me to do, do, I will do. do. And I believe believe that you took my sin, sin. everything I ever did wrong, And you took it on yourself. yourself. And that sin sin took you to the cross cross and to the grave. grave. But today, today, I turn from that sin. sin. I'm not going to do things in sin anymore. You're the Lord of my life. You're the director. Whatever you tell me to do, do, I will do. do. But I believe believe that when you died, died, God brought you back to life. life. And when He brought you back to life, Jesus, Jesus, you did not leave me in that place of death. death. I have no more part with death. I have part with life. The life of Jesus. The blessing of Jesus. And I'm a part of his family. Today, I'm a part of his family. And I'm blessed. Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Ghost and with fire so that I can live. In fullness of life, life. like you. you. I'm going to walk that way, way. and you're going to help me. And And right now, now, I receive receive everything everything that you paid for me. me. I receive healing in my body. I receive receive overflow in my finances. 
favor in a job. Yeah, glory to God. I receive protection. I receive deliverance. I receive restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. If you meant that with your heart, I just welcome you to the family of God, and I welcome you to a new fellowship with Him. I just want you to open this up easily. No spilly spilly. And take that body of Christ. <laughs> It'll be all right. And let's dip it in the blood. Oh Lord, this represents the body of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And the blood of Christ. And it covers us and washes us. And it brings forth a blessing in every area of life. And this day, Lord, this day, we partake of you. And you partake of us. We're yours. We're your family. We honor you. We esteem you. And we'll live like it from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.